Well, uh, last week I told you uh, what it felt like as a pastor to have our worship leader, our uh, kids' church leader, our hospitality leader, our setup team leader, and our location all take on jobs or make international travel plans or intend to step down or, or just fall through in a relatively short period of time. All those things occurred. And uh, this all happened, of course, last spring, and I've had months to process, to uh, think about, and to grieve, to pray, to wait, and to trust. And then as I shared this last week, literally every single one Everyone has either reversed or changed course or the timelines shifted or, um, or I realized that um, for everyone, something's happened. Um, Taryn planned a shower for Becca and Jaden today, so, uh, so don't tell her that she hasn't quite stepped down yet. <laughs> and Becca and Jaden uh, can't go to New Zealand. They found this out recently that uh, until... February 2022 at the very earliest. Um, and then this week, too, Ben and Sarah's transition has just been bumped until January, uh, which brings them some relief for the baby. And also, uh, we're happy that they're able to still be with us. And of course, that we get to enjoy uh, meeting little baby King. And, uh, and then this week, too, the school contacted me and they offered us our Sunday gathering space back again. Uh, of course, with the cleaning fee at, added to it, and and who knows for how long. So, um, so, so that was the that that all happened. And if the the first list caused me to feel like jubilee was collapsing around me, the second list causes me to believe that God can do anything. That the church isn't about me. That that I'm not the head of it, but God is. We are the church. This is our topical sermon series, and we're just, we're kind of wrestling with what it means to be the church, and uh, there's lots of different ways we could go at that, and lots of ways we have talked about that before, Um, but the idea is, you know, we are not, we are the church. It's not a program or a building or a budget line. We are God's church, which means this doesn't belong to me or to you, and it doesn't, doesn't depend on me or you to prop it up or to sell it, or to market it, or to whitewash it, or to hype it. Or to turn it into an entertainment event, or to turn it into a social club, or an activist group. We are the church. Our sermon series started with this reminder of, of who we are. Um, and, we, and the kind of the idea of that was, the big idea was that we would be people newly born into a living hope and an eternal inheritance. And of course, this week, uh, I couldn't leave behind the passage. There was just so much good stuff there that, uh, that I wanted to keep digging into it. And so uh, we'll be, we'll be kind of wrestling with why, with, the, you know, why are we here? Why the church? Why is there so much suffering? Why is this all so hard? And some elements to do with that. And so I want us to keep reading our passage. I'll read um, from last week as well, just kind of rolling into it because it's just so good. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Now that was last week's passage. So this is 
our passage this week. We'll keep going. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is God's word. Our big idea this morning is that we persevere in trial, shielded and rejoicing for glory. We persevere in trial, shielded and rejoicing for glory. Uh, The word shielded uh, gets me thinking about the armor of God. I don't know quite why, but, you know, the shield and the shield. And and I was thinking about this. If you don't know, the armor of God is is, uh, taken from uh, a passage that Paul writes in in his letter to the church in Ephesus. So it's in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, and it was the only time really from Sunday school my mom would let me play with a sword because it was the sword of the spirit, kind of like she would let us shoot if we shot with love, you know, kind of along those same lines. And so I was always excited about this unit when it came along in Sunday school, the armor of God. And I can remember uh, that, you know, you need to put it on every day and that you should say it out loud and, and that's good. It helps you remember. And so I still can remember all the different parts for you from learning them in Sunday school. There's the helmet of salvation. If you picture a Roman soldier, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and then your feet fitted. So maybe it's sandals or the feet with the, fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And then, of course, you need a weapon. That's the sword of the spirit, my favorite. And then the shield of faith. And, I would, you know, if you picture a big Roman shield, it's like the... You know, it's a big shield of faith. You, can, you could hide behind that shield. And that's how the word shielded feels for me when I read it, uh, or protected in the New American Standard, it says. First Peter says, For you who through faith are shielded by God's power. And I think, isn't this what we want? Isn't this, you know, when I read this, it's like, this is what I want. I want to be shielded. I want to be protected. I want to hide behind my face shield and know that God is for me and he's watching out for me and he's streamlining things and keeping trouble away, you know, blessing us. And we, we come across other passages that encourage us in this regard, we, that, that we can trust that God is protecting and watching out for us. Psalm 91 is one of these, these passages the, the psalmist write in, in chapter in nine, Psalm 91, verses 9 to 13, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Lord high your, your dwelling, the, the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. No more toast dubbing. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. And so, 
So we read these things and we end up saying, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my refuge. And now I'm gonna put on the, the armor of God and I'm gonna put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of truth, righteousness and the belt of truth. And okay, I'm ready for my day. And we, we kind of say it like it's a mantra or an incantation, like saying these words out loud every morning wasn't Paul's intent when he wrote it. Just so we're clear. He, he didn't mean that when he wrote it. He meant that we should live them. He meant understanding and being rooted in your salvation protects your mind and thoughts. That, that living rightly God's way in righteousness guards your heart and the wellspring of your life, your joy and your, your life flowing. It guards that. Or that sharing the message of the good news keeps us moving. It keeps us from getting stuck. It keeps us moving. It's what gets us moving. That trusting Jesus is a shield that, that extinguishes the lies and the arrows. Belief, this faith. Or the psalmists saying, making the most high your dwelling will make you unshakable. Putting your house on the rock, as Jesus would say. Or Peter writes, you through faith are shielded. Like the invitation isn't to this fatalistic sense of invincibility. Well, I'm shielded, so nothing will happen to me. But to a walk of faith, a life of trust, a living hope and eternal inheritance. This is our confidence. This is our protection that our dwelling place is untouchable if it's on the rock. So you'll say, well, so I'm safe and secure and protected? And I will answer, yes and no. <laughs> if we could talk to the Carlsas about their flood, about the toilet pipe leaking through the night on the second floor and destroying a, a large area of their home, about their staying in the garage through COVID, you know, when you and I were sitting on the couch eating snacks and watching Netflix, they were camping in their garage through the heat and all the different weather we experienced and, and about their dream summer trip that got canceled because of COVID and then their, their kind of like make-do trip that they planned just to go somewhere and do something and that got cut short because of the insurance company and the restoration crew dragging their feet and and just taking their time and just challenge after challenge, they might call this a trial of griefs. I mean, Helen, well, <laughs> I'm sure, a trial of griefs. Or if we could talk to Bernie, I get uh, Verena's updates on her brother and I weep through each one. Bernie, the positive one. Bernie, the one who's liked by everyone just so well like Bernie, the, the one who lives out his faith as a respiratory therapist on mission, bringing light and hope and truth to everyone he encounters. 
that he's been given the death sentence of pancreatic cancer and the subsequent failure of his pancreas to respond to the different stents they're putting in and trying to relieve the infection and, and the jaundice that's happening. I mean, that his own father was taken at a young age and his mother recently from the very same disease that's attacking him. This is a grief. And they would relate to more to suffering grief in all kinds of trials than they would to feeling invincible. Peter says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials. I mean, it's a range, isn't it? I mean, we've talked here about uh, <laughs> experiencing COVID, how, how it feels like going through stages of grief continually. We just keep going through them and, and it, we could call it a trial of griefs. I mean, all, in all sorts of ways, maybe it's the loneliness or the overall sense of sadness we feel or the disconnect in our culture, the social distancing and the isolation and the lack of physical touch. Maybe it's the constant unnerving and disruptive changes to everything, <laughs> jobs and school and, and every area. Maybe it's the incredible impact on the economy and the specific job industries that have been hugely affected, some of them crippling. Maybe it's the total disruption of our church community. Maybe the support you experienced from having a church community has been changed. The function and the way we gather, everything is different. And so right now, I want to I wanna invite you to participate. I'm going to ask you, uh, what grief or trial are you facing right now? What feels like a grief or a trial to you right now? What, what thing or things are you facing? And I'm going to put on a countdown timer. And uh, I, I'm going to invite you to just share with the people you're, you're watching with, um, whether it's uh, a family or uh, if you're with other people, uh, that you could just take these few minutes and, and share with them. And when the timer comes back, uh, finishes the countdown, I'll come back on. Um, but uh, if you're alone... Uh, which I know some of you are as well, I'd encourage you that in this time, just get out a piece of paper or your journal and, and write down some of the things that are causing you to feel this sadness or this grief, just if you can identify some of them and just share them. Just what things are you experiencing? You know, sometimes we think that the church means everything will go well for us. And we kind of, we talk a lot about that. And so there's this pressure sometimes in church that, that everything needs to go well for us, you know? And if it doesn't, then we don't talk about it. But the truth is that identifying what's causing us to feel sad or heavy or what trials are we experiencing is a real part of being the church together of walking together on this journey. You know, the story of the early church uh, is one of sacrifice. It's one of suffering. It's people who, who rejoiced in suffering and persecution, strangely. 
It's people who sold their property and brought the money to the church for them to redistribute. It's stories of people who scattered from their towns and communities, their homes, and bring, brought the good news to places that had never heard it or experienced it. It's people who suffered and died willingly for the name of Jesus. They seem to understand now for a little while better than we do. This phrase, this expression, now for a little while. I mean, they got it. And I don't know if we totally do. I was talking to to Mary uh, at Maple Ridge Community Church about the time slot for us gathering in their building. Um, and uh, and kind of that time slot in the afternoon was used to be taken by the Mandarin church. And so I was talking to her about, you know, like, are they going to want to come back or how's this going to work? And, you know, are we okay to do this for a while or, you know, maybe for the fall is what kind of we're hoping as a kind of interim way of, of, of doing this. And she said, oh yeah, the Mandarin church, I talked to them and they said, you know, they're not going to come back for the foreseeable future unless something big changes And then she said this, she said, but they haven't missed a beat because uh, they had really strong small groups. And so they continue to find support and encouragement in their small groups. And they have some kind of online thing they're doing. And and they also are very committed to giving. And so uh, that hasn't, hasn't missed at all. And so actually they're doing just the same. Like they haven't missed a beat which is amazing. I mean, that's the story of the Chinese church, isn't it? That in the midst of persecution and, and, and churches being closed down, that the, the church just seems to grow exponentially because they, they understand something. They aren't good time Christians. They are, they're ready for the fire of testing. They're ready for adversity. They've prepared and set themselves in this way. I mean, this is what the word faith means. It, it means that we believe and trust for something we don't totally see yet. So the idea that we're going to see it totally now is, is unrealistic because an element to our walk here is faith. An element to our shielding, to our protection and covering is faith. This idea that we believe and trust for something we don't totally see yet. I mean, we do see it in the sunrises over glacier cap mountains or uh, in rivers and oceans, or we see it in swaying trees, or we see it in the night sky littered with stars. We see it in the innocence and joy and laughter of a child. We experience it in the beauty of human heart-to-heart connection when we really deeply connect. Hebrews says it this way in chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I mean, the trial of griefs is very real. I mean, very, very real real. And we're not minimizing that. But they are now for a little while. They are now for a little while. The universe was made to remind you 
(laughs) of what you can't see. It was made to remind you of what you can't see, that this isn't all there is. There's more. There is more. Hebrews 11, 16 says it this way, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city, a city, the city of God. We will find endurance impossible, though, unless we have a strong sense of why why we're going through this, why we endure, why it doesn't all just line up perfectly. And the answer is so that our genuine faith proved in the fire would result in glory or praise so that Jubilee would be known as a character church, not as a a wishy-washy church or a fluffy church. It's so that our trust, which happens in the darkness and the suffering, would be precious. Peter says trials come so that our trust would result in glory. Our trust would result in glory. That's why the trials come. I mean, think about that. Just think about it for a minute. This is what he writes. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, in the bracket, of greater worth than gold, in another bracket, which perishes even though refined by fire, end bracket, the genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I mean, how often do you think this? How often does this cross your mind when you're going into a challenging situation or trouble finds you or difficulty or the grief rises up? How often are you thinking, I'm so grateful that this trial has come so I can learn to trust? Or... Thank you, Lord, for this challenge that you may receive the praise and the glory. (laughs) Or what an opportunity for my faith to prove genuine, to be made real. I'll admit that those are not the things that cross my mind. And when people say that, I want to punch them. (laughs) Usually in the trial, I'm just hoping it's all still true that, that, this isn't all there is, and there is more, but it's sure hard to, to see beyond it, isn't it? And that's why the when is important. Until the coming of salvation or when Jesus Christ is revealed, it's like it points us outside of this moment to something else. Francis Chan uses, uh, uses an illustration of a rope uh, with a little piece of tape on the end. And in this illustration, he's standing on the church stage and he's got this rope that goes out the, you know, goes off the stage. And he says, I want you to imagine the rope just keeps going. It goes out the door and around the corner. And it goes, you know, across the city. And it's a really, really, really long rope. And maybe it stretches out, you know, city to city. It's like, it's the longest rope ever. And it goes and goes and goes. Like, this little piece of tape on this rope is your life. And the rope is eternity. And then he challenges the people he's talking to, he says, how often do we make decisions based on our comfort in this little tiny piece of eternity, our life on earth? How often is this all we're focused on when the Bible tells us that the decisions we make now affect the rest of eternity? If we could just lift our heads and see it for a moment. 
we would have a different perspective. In that perspective, our life is fleeting. It's momentary. It's very short. It's actually just a few moments. This is why we take communion. It's to remind us of his coming again every week. That's the idea of his grace. It's uh, that it doesn't take long to get bogged down in the day-to-day, the trials, the challenge, the griefs, and we need to be pulled out and reminded of the long view, that this is temporary, but it's unto an end. That at the end, we will see him as he is, that we will laugh and weep and worship, maybe all those things, and he will receive the praise and the glory and the honor that is due his name, now and forever. So in conclusion, we persevere in trial, shielded and rejoicing for glory. So you'll say, well, the promise is for protection, for a shield through God's power? And the answer is yes. Yes, it is. Death passes over. The plague shall not abide thee. But the promise of a faith shield is not a t- magic talisman. It's, it's a way we live. It's a way of Jesus that we would live in trust following him. So uh, I'm not protected from everything? No. If you've been a Christian a long time, you also know that the trial of griefs does not pass over everyone. (laughs) In fact, we all experience it to some degree. We all weep. We all feel the pain of this world, that the kingdom is here and still coming. But not forever? No. Just for a little while just for a little while, so you can rejoice. You can rejoice because there is a forever. The forever is the worship of our king. The forever is the face-to-face with majesty. The forever is heaven country and your precious character and your enduring heart that goes goes on. What's forged goes on. So my encouragement is hold on, dear one. Hold on, because he is holding on to you.